What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hindsight with us, the sporadic podcast where I talk about life, role-playing games, or whatever else might be running around inside of my head, but mostly role-playing games, because sometimes they bring cool people together. You may have seen in the description for this episode, but I have a very, very special guest, a first-time caller. I am so stoked to have him calling in. He's got a rad name, he's got a rad voice, and the name of his company is possibly the best name company in the gaming scene. But we'll get to him, we'll get to all the calls. First off, I want to talk a little bit about The Mummy. Based on the review and recommendations of Rob C. of Down in the Heap and Jason C. of Nerds RPG Variety Cast, no, they are not brothers, I watched the 1932 version of The Mummy uh, on Peacock TV. I signed up for a quote-unquote free account. It was really easy. All, the only actual information you have to give them is an email address. But then when they ask for a name, gender, and birth year, I just put in fake information there. <laughs> so... Whatever. They got my email address. They have an email address. But yeah, it, it's not the greatest platform in the whole world. It didn't, you know, it froze up a couple times. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about The Mummy. The Mummy was awesome. It was really, really good. Like, honestly, it's a 90-year-old movie. And it's better than a lot of movies I've seen in the past 20, <laughs> 20 years. It's far from a perfect movie. But it's short. It's like 70 minutes. Um, yeah. The the woman who plays Helen rules. That character is awesome. Uh, she gets she gets shafted in the end. But we can talk about that in a little bit. Um, Boris is also obviously awesome as the mummy. Uh, return to life. Creepy as shit. Awesome. A super sympathetic villain. You know, like modern day, especially in comic books and a lot in literature, it's, it's all about like the sympathetic villain, which gets old and played out. But this is actually cool. He's evil, but also he's doing it for a reason other than just, I am evil. Um, yeah, again, Helen's character is awesome. She's kind of a badass. Frank Whipple sucks. That dude sucks. He's a buster, man. He is a buster. He does nothing. He friggin' tries to, like, totally put the moves on some stranger he just found in his house who had just, like, fallen unconscious with no memory. He's trying to put the slicks on her, and she just calls him out. She calls him straight out. He starts talking about Frank Whipple starts talking about how he fell in love with this dead lady. Uh, and so Helen's like, oh, you got to open graves to find girls like sick, sick burn. Frank Whipple does not deserve Helen. It's just like, it's one of those things. that's just super written in. It sucks, man. Um, all, he loves, he's in love with Helen. All of a sudden he's not in love with her. He just wants to bone her down. Uh, I mean, you can't blame him. The woman, and I don't know actors, especially from way back then, but the woman who plays her is very, very good looking. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it was just a cool movie, except for Frank Whipple and the ending where Frank ends up with Helen 
Um, yeah, but other than that, it was awesome. I recommend it. If you can find it somewhere, watch it. It's fun. It's only 70 minutes long. It's, it moves at a pretty quick pace, man. Like, it's not super slow. It's really cool. It's, it's, I don't know if it's more of a condemnation on the current state of affairs in film or if it's like a super awesome thing that this 90 year old movie holds up. And I'd rather watch this <laughs> than a lot of other movies that have come out. Um, so yeah, check out, check out the mummy. It's dope. <laughs> anyway, since we're talking about movies, we're going to talk about a movie that was inspired by a book, which is Dune. And we're also going to talk about books in general. So to start us off on this literary discussion, we have the one, the only commander in chief of Raven God games, Joe Salvatore. Yes. Hey, Mr. Richter, this is Joe Salvador of Rapid God Games. Um, how are you doing, man? Uh, I've been listening for a long time, and I don't think I've ever called you. Uh, so this is the first call. Um, you mentioned uh, the Veil of Lost Women. Uh, that's the Conan story with the... Um, uh, it's just terrible, honestly. It's the worst piece of fiction that, that Howard wrote, I think. Um, and what's interesting about Howard, I, I really feel like... You know, a lot of times he wrote things just to make a buck. Um, even, uh, what is it, um, Gods of the North or uh, uh, The Frost Giant's Daughter. Um, you know, it's, it has a very sort of like rapey feel to it, but you can kind of, um, man, I'm going to run out of time. Hang on. Hey, Joe. Uh, I'm not sure if you got part one. My, my phone kind of crapped out. Um, but yeah, the Frost Giant's daughter, you can kind of chalk up Conan's actions in that to sort of like the, the fairy magic of, of the Frost Giant's daughter. Um, it's almost like, um, the story, uh, the glamour of the snow by Algernon Blackwood, wherein you know, sort of like a 19th century fellow, um, comes up under the influence of a, uh, like a, like a snow fairy or something. Uh, so there's that, but you can't wash um the misogyny and the racism and just like let it go and chalk it up to like product of their time lovecraft was was a terrible racist uh he was bad even for his time and we're out of time again part three so uh the shadow over innsmouth is one of lovecraft's most lauded stories and um it you know it's actually kind of a terrifying story the way it's written and, and the tension in it but if you break it down the way jason breaks down star wars uh Innsmouth is is a story about a guy who goes to a town with a number of biracial families and is horrified to learn that he's actually one of them like his his mother came from that town uh so it's you know it's kind of ridiculous but it's it's lovecraft Lovecraft's own fears, like, that he's writing into the story. And like you said, like, um, Howard's uh, words, Conan's words in The Veil of Lost Women are, you know, they're pretty terrible. You can't separate it, right? Jeez, man, part four. So, so what do you do with it? Like, you can't separate it, so what do you do with it? 
you can't like you could ignore it in your games or what have you um which is kind of an injustice i think um because it's a learning thing right like we have to learn from the past and we have to learn from the past authors um so i think in in games it's good to you know flip those tropes kind of on their heads um and uh you know use them in new ways not like not unlike um, the way Lovecraft Country used the cosmic horror of, you know, HPL uh, and placed it in, you know, in the black experience of the 1950s. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have, I guess, the answers, but I'm running out of time again, so I just need to quit. Uh, anyway, yeah, we'll talk soon, man. Later. Yo, Joe, so let me, let me start off by apologizing for mispronouncing your goddamn name in my intro to you. Yeah, it's Joe Salvador. I am an idiot. That's what I get for not listening good. <laughs> I don't listen so good, man. But what I did hear was you saying a bunch of really awesome shit, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can't separate the art from the problematic parts of that art. And I, no one here is talking about burning all the books or hiding them away or never letting anyone read them. They're good to read. Um, just to see like, yeah, this shit was bad. <laughs> like things were different and bad back then where that type of blatant racism or, you know, laissez faire attitudes towards sexual assaults or just, you know, degradation of women. Like, yeah, that shit was alive and well. And it's good to look back on that and be like, never again. We can't go backwards. Going backwards is bad. Regression isn't good. So we learn from the past. And, you know, like you mentioned, we take those tropes that they used and we mix them up. We make them our own and we make them cool and good and fun for, I don't know, everybody, <laughs> you know, not just a certain people, but as many people as we possibly can. So, yeah, Joe, thank you so much for the calls. That was your first time. And I just, it, I appreciate it, man. That, that tickled me pink when I got some messages from you. And to hear you say that you've been listening for a while blows me away, dude. Uh, yeah, if, folks, if you don't know, like I said, uh, Joe is the creator of Raven God Games, an RPG company. He's working on a new system right now that Jason has been playtesting. Sounds really cool. You can go over, check out Nerds RPG Variety Cast to hear talk of that. So yeah, go check out Raven God Games. Can you find a cooler RPG company name? I don't think so. All Crow Lords together, man. That's what I'm talking about. The bigger the murder, the better. That is what I'm talking about. What I'm also talking about is how amazing Dune is. I love it. It's not my favorite movie ever of all time or anything, but I do love it. And Jason has got some stuff to say. Then Carl will have some stuff to say. So let's hear from those two dudes about Dune and Paul Moadib. Fear is a mind killer. Peace. Nope, that's not what I say here. Jason, you're up. So what you're saying is, this is what Jordowski would have made, right? This is his Dune. I'm just fucking with you, Joe. Very cool. 
when part two comes out, I will watch them together. I'm not big into watching part one and then waiting for a year or two years or three years for the next part. I, not, I, I, I'm just not into that. So I will wait until the whole thing's out, and then I'll just watch them together. But I do look forward to watching it together. And no, you did not spoil anything, so you should feel good about yourself. Spencer, if you're listening to this, that's how you do a spoiler-free review. So take notes, my friend. Anyhow, Joe, very cool. Um, and yeah, man, if somebody's cooking sucks, like you owe it to them to let them know that. Maybe in a nice way, but so they can, you know, maybe give them a couple tips, right? It's all cool, dude. Anyhow, I'll talk to you later. Spencer, I would not take any notes from anything I do, especially when I'm that drunk, man. <laughs> Seriously. But, dude, thank you, Jason. I'm glad that I, I accomplished my goal. My goal in recording that review was to not give any spoilers because I watched uh, a review of the movie on YouTube, and it wasn't a review. It was literally telling everything that happens in the movie. It's kind of like what you and Rob do for your universal monsters. Those aren't reviews, right? Like they're awesome retelling and just like deep dives into great shit. And that's what this review on YouTube was, but it was literally everything that happened in the movie. He talked about it. So I wanted to go the opposite way and just talked about the general things I like. So I'm glad, I'm glad that got accomplished, dude. Yeah. And dude, (laughs) I totally know you were joking about the Jodorowsky thing, but yeah, this isn't that movie because this, this was a good Dune movie. (laughs) And what Jodorowsky was attempting to make looked amazing. It looked so rad. I wish he would have done it, but it wasn't Dune. It had nothing to do with the book Dune. Uh, I wish he would have made it and just called it something else. And it would have been super, super cool. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it wasn't Dune. <laughs> Not no. Anyway, uh, and yeah, absolutely, man. If if you need to wait, or if you want to wait till part two comes out and see part two, I don't know if part one will still be in theaters at that point, but maybe they'll re-release it. That'd be smart of them to do so. I don't know if they will though. Who knows? Anyway, uh, up next we got some thoughts on Dune. Both the movie and the book from Carl Rodriguez. He has also seen the movie, but don't worry, he gives no spoilers in this uh, in this conversation. So, Carl, you are up. I haven't listened to your whole podcast, a la Daniel Norton style, but I guess I do want to say that the, a lot of the comments that I've heard about this Dune is that it is too Dooney. And what I mean by that is it still has that Lawrence of Arabia trope, the white savior of the brown people. So I'm sure that's going to be controversial and and um, people are going to go, oh, and of course, there's other things that they've changed that make it that I'm sure people will complain about. But uh, honestly, I did like it. Um, I really did. It was it did stay true to the book for the most part. There are a couple scenes that were left out and um but that might be okay i'm not sure i think i don't know if those scenes would have helped someone who has not read the book or not um, my wife was had never read the book and was kind of confused about things so i had to explain but uh, that's okay yeah totally carl there are absolutely scenes from the book that were left out of this movie uh partially because it's just part one 
of the first book of Dune. And then partially just because that's inevitable when you're transferring from book to literature. I, I have a feeling that by the time part two comes out, there will be less left out scenes from the book than there were in the Lynch version. But we'll see. And don't I, I love the Lynch version. I love it. I love it. I love the Lynch version. This is just my new version. <laughs> And yeah, I, I can absolutely understand why Amy would be confused. I saw somebody else talking about how if this was your first experience to the Dune universe, it could be a little tricky. I would be curious to hear what she thought of it and, you know, to kind of like where where the confusion was. I'm glad you were there to kind of help explain things. That's got to be a plus. Uh, and yeah, man, like. Dune, it's crazy. Like, Dune gets attacked from both sides, right? Like, there are people, like Carl pointed out, out there that would say, this movie is all about the white savior and white saving uh, brown-skinned people, and that's bullshit. This paradigm has got to go. There are people on the other side of the argument who will say, this movie is too woke, uh, it's it's got that feminist agenda and it's bullshit, and neither one of those two camps has any idea what Dune is actually about. Because <laughs> if you think, if someone actually thinks that Paul is the savior to the Fremen people, they haven't read the books. They they don't they don't know what they're talking about uh, at all. Dune is about the problems the dangers the terrifying dangers of charismatic leaders and how a charismatic leader can destroy a culture <laughs> very quickly because <laughs> honestly i don't think leading a group of people into a holy war is really being a savior <laughs> you know i don't think so so and and then when those people are like this movie has a woke agenda and blah 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 it's like dude have you read Dune? <laughs> are you familiar with the Benny Jesuit? Jesuit. Um, yeah, it's just like people just want to bitch and complain, man, and it sucks. <laughs> it sucks because especially it sucks when they're wrong, when they're just flat out wrong. Yeah, it's dumb. <laughs> anyway, man. You got more to say on Dune, so Carl, take it away. And I really love the casting in this movie. I think that's what I re like the most, like you've mentioned already, how they made Paul younger. Um, Jason Momoa as Duncan is almost exactly as how I imagined him. I love Josh Brolin as Gurney Halleck. And I was super surprised and very pleasantly so that Stilgar is played by Javier uh, Bardem, who I think is a fantastic actor. And he usually plays like a bad guy. And I like that he's playing, you know, a good guy for the most part, right? So it's pretty cool. I, I enjoyed the movie. People were complaining about the pacing. I didn't find it so. There's a lot of dialogue you kind of got to listen to. And I know a lot of people don't like listening to dialogue and paying attention to dialogue. They just want to see kabooms and pew, pew, pew. Um, so, and I think that was the same complaint that people had about, uh, about the new Bond movie, although there was plenty of gunfight in that one. Maybe I'll have to do a review of the Bond movie. Yeah, dude, you should totally do a review of the new Bond movie. I've never seen any of the David Craig movies, so I'd be really curious to hear what you think about uh, what you think about this new Bond movie. Go for it, man. And yeah, dude, 
you know, the pacing of this movie I thought was fine. I don't think it's like people might think it's slow, but you know, people said the Lynch movie was really slow and this movie is tighter than the Lynch movie. Uh, but yeah, like, you, you know, there, there are times for me when they were using the subtitles when I was like, okay, you guys can hurry this up. But thankfully there weren't th- that many scenes with subtitles and the subtitles never lasted too terribly long, but I definitely missed a couple things. Luckily <laughs> I, I've seen Lynch's Dune and read the book a ton of times. So I, I, I I'm not missing much, man. <laughs> But yeah, dude. Yeah, so those are those are a couple of the complaints that get lobbed at this new movie. But what did you like about it? What did you like about it, Carl? And I what I liked is it incorporated like the big on-screen mood that the David Lynch film had with the true and ac- trueness and accuracy of the book that the sci-fi series uh, the first one had. The second one if you're not liking the books by uh, Frank Herbert's son, those, the second and third ones incorporate like Paul of Atreides and, and as well as, you know, some House Atreides, House Harkonnen stuff that's in the background about what's going on during the Dune Messiah and the Children of Dune action. That's not really a spoiler. The books have been out since the 60s. Come on, people. So um, anyway, yeah, I, I did enjoy it. I would like to watch it again. I had a chance to watch on the big screen, but I don't know if I want to, I'm ready to to go out to a big group of people and watch a, a movie with them. Um, although, I, like I said, I watched Bond with my buddy uh, David this week. So, um, yeah. but I'm very excited about this movie, and hopefully, some of my home group will be likely excited because they've looked at the Dune book, and I did some of the play testing um, when Modiphius was had an open play test. And some of the players, some of the people really liked it. Some of the play people did not. But I think I feel the RPG captures the mood. Your mileage may vary. But uh, I want to get it to the table. And you don't necessarily have to play House Atreides. And then one of my players did say, well, we know it's going to happen. So why should we do this? But, you know, you can build your own house. And I think that could be fascinating. Like, what are the, because they really don't touch on what the rest of the Landsrod is doing, you know, when the Emperor. Sorry, I'm not going to say anything. But, you know, there's some peripheral stories that could be told that don't necessarily have to be uh, part of the main the main houses, Atreides and Harkonnen, right? So, cool stuff. Dude, Carl, I totally hear you on the reluctance about going back to the theaters, man. What I'm probably going to do is take, like, a half a day off work and during the middle of the week and go see it, you know, at, like, three o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon or something. Cause I'm guessing then there won't be too many people. That's why I watched it on my crappy little laptop first. Uh, just cause I really, <laughs> I really wanted to see it. Uh, I, I doubt I'll spend the money for the, you know, the IMAX 3d just because I, it's kind of that some of that shit's wasted on me. I know the sound is probably better, so I don't know. We'll see, but that's also farther away. There's a theater within walking distance of my house. Los Oak Trees Cinema. It rules, dude. I love it. Um, so that's the one I'll probably go to. But yeah, I the idea of going to a packed movie theater right now 
sounds sucky. That doesn't, yeah, I, <laughs> I have no interest in that, man. So hopefully you get a chance to go see it at like an off peak time or something, or maybe, you know, in a couple weeks when it's died down a little bit, but still in theaters, hopefully you get to, hopefully I get to. <laughs> yeah. So RPGs, man, the Dune RPG, I've never looked at any Dune RPGs before. And I, I just got to say that whole attitude of, we know what's going to happen. Why would we play it? That's, kind of silly man like you pointed out <laughs> there are a billion stories that could be told in that universe uh that you yeah you could tell there's a billion stories that you could play out on arrakis that you wouldn't know about just yeah man like there's so many things going on in that universe the, the dune universe is so rich and teeming with life it's fucking unreal a, a dune rpg would be cr you could run so like you could run a more fantasy medieval style campaign in the dune universe you could run a more sci-fi campaign in the dune universe like it's crazy it's crazy i love that herbert basically was just like i don't want guns i don't want lasers in my world so how can i make that make sense cool these shields if you shoot it with a laser that's bad news, which they don't actually go into in this movie, which is kind of a shame. That's one of the things I would have liked to have seen. Um, they don't talk about what happens when a laser gun hits one of the shields. Uh, yeah. So. But I don't know. A Dune RPG would be dope. I hope you run one, man. I think that'd be really fucking cool. Uh, yeah, if you do it online, maybe I'll be able to pop in there. I don't know. We'll see. We shall friggin' see. But what else we're going to see about is the arcane alienist. He's calling in with some suggestions for some Fae-inspired literature, some Fae-inspired reading. So, BJ, what you got to say? Hey, Joe. Uh, if you really like Fae-related stuff, obviously this this would be more than you could probably consume and process before you actually get to your beyond the wall game. But um, uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, it's a, it's a pretty thick, lengthy novel, but they've done a, they've done a, a film adaptation of it. Um, I can't remember if that was on HBO or Amazon Prime or Netflix, but anyway, uh, gets into um, kind of the, the way Faye can sort of wreak havoc in the lives of mortals as, as part of one of the major plot lines in that. Um, but also the Dresden Files are pretty good. He's got the main character, of course, each, each novel. They kind of start off as independent stories, but then we're kind of at the point in this series where it's really just one epic unfolding. But but anyway, it, it handles the, the Faye in a really, really interesting and, and, and oftentimes very humorous uh manner of just because because they have just such different priorities and, and live by a completely different set of rules and and customs and ideas than the mortal beings it's, it's, it's pretty pretty good stuff so uh, enjoying the episodes take care yo bj i absolutely love jonathan strange and mr norrell man that's one of my favorite books i've read it a couple times it's so good. I love it. I remember just being blown away by it the first time I read it. I thought the title was cool. Uh, it, Jonathan Strange is just a badass name, right? 
Doctor Strange. I know it's different first name, but I was conditioned to be into that name. Uh, and yeah, I was just so pleasantly surprised having read it. And so, yeah, man, awesome, awesome recommendation. Another cool fairy book, this one from a more kind of Eastern European Russian bent. It's called The Bear and the Nightingale by uh, Catherine Arden. And it's it's really, really cool. But it's kind of like um, kind of like White Queen type stuff. Ice Queen, uh, that sort of mythology. It's it's a really good fairy story. I, I recommend that. And yeah, Dresden Files, dope. Uh, I've read the first, I don't know, eight, maybe nine of them. And I thought they were super fun, super cool. Really fun, modern, magic, noir, fairy stuff. Uh, yeah, the Iron Druid Chronicles. I've read those, the first like three of those. I read those a long time ago. I don't remember who wrote them, but those were pretty good as far as like fairy stuff goes, like kind of Celtic, Druidic type lore. Uh, And the thing that from those books that sticks out to me the most, which happens in like the very beginning of the very first book, uh, this dude who is like a Druid living in the modern day, He's got to go get some information from some witches and he knows that if witches get any part of you, any sort of hair or fingernails or anything, they can do all types of bad shit to you. So before he goes into their apartment, because <laughs> that's where their coven is, it's in this apartment building, he casts a little spell on himself that basically keeps all his hairs in place like it doesn't let any like skin follicles slough off or anything and i just thought i was like that's pretty badass that's a cool thing to think about in a world where people can do bad things to you if they get a hold of your pieces of your body uh you would probably develop counter magic to that and i just thought that was a really cool touch i don't remember if they're very good I remember getting kind of bored with the series, but it's kind of neat. Uh, so yeah, thanks for those. Uh, thanks for those recommendations, BJ. They're they're dope. Uh, and since we're talking about books, let's talk about the Dying Earth, but more about the RPG aspects of the Dying Earth uh, with Carl Rodriguez, who knows more about games than me for sure, and most people I know. So, Mr. Geomologist, tell us about the Dying Earth RPG. Hey, Joe. Guess what? There actually already is a Dying Earth role-playing game done by Pelgrane Press. Uh, you may have know about it. I don't know. Um, let's see. Who's it? Oh, it's written by Robin Laws. It's got an interesting system. Yeah, see, like... I guess maybe that's why I thought it was more set in a Renaissance type era because the art in here is like dudes from like the Age of Sail with the folded up cups on a leather coat. So that's what that reminds me of, I guess. But, uh, you know, I mean, we could say Enlightenment, but, you know, it's not Enlightened. There is still slavery going on. Uh, The way women were treated doesn't really change um, man until now right so uh recently so yeah 
Yeah, Carl, I, I, <laughs> I totally had not heard of that game before, though the name Robin Laws is familiar to me. I've heard that name before. I couldn't place it, but he's a semi too important figure in the RPG scene, I think. Yes. Questioningly. Um, but yeah, man, I don't I don't ever find new games on my own. Well, I rarely, rarely find new games on my own. Uh, Beyond the Wall was a recommendation from Spencer. Uh, Tokyo Brain Pop was a recommendation from Jason. Let the mer- mer- uh, Let the Mermaid Touch Your Dick maybe was <laughs> was a suggestion from someone in my uh, Wheeler Woe Discord. So yeah, I, finding games is not my jam. And dude, totally. When I said that I didn't get that enlightenment feel, I was more talking about the aesthetic of it. I just didn't, reading that first collection of stories, I didn't get that Age of Sail type feel. But maybe in the later books, that comes more to the fore. Because uh, like I said, I've just read the first collection of stories. But dude, yeah, thanks, man. It's always nice to learn about new games. And you will talk about that game a little bit more later. But first... First, in your next uh, message, you're going to talk about Love Lovecraft Country, uh, the show that was on HBO, sort of in response to uh, BJ's calls. So, Carl, take it away. And forget about the treatment of people of color, right? I mean, I really enjoyed Lovecraft Country, but it definitely got, they definitely aren't going to have a second season because the events of the end of the first season spoiler uh, make it so that there can be um powerful minority groups coming to power and breaking off you know yeah it it, it would be a, the way that they were talking about or that what the premise that they were talking about from what i've read people would not like it because it proposes a different type of world which doesn't suit with the you know the decision makers um, at HBO or other places who would want to fund this type of show yeah dude so I have never seen nor read Lovecraft Country but I I figure since both you and Joe both brought it up on today's episode maybe I should rectify that maybe I should give it a read or listen or watch. I don't know. It seems really cool. I really love the idea of it. It sounds like a smart, good idea. Uh, but yeah, thanks, man. Anyway, uh, you got some more to say back to the Dying Earth RPG um, by Pelgrane Press. You have some more to say about how you actually play this game. So, Carl, how do you play? Anyway, that was in response to BJ's sets of calls. Um... But uh, yeah, I was looking on with like, how do you play this game? It's a very interesting type of game. You have your, it's basically you roll a d6 um, and you can, you have a series of stats and you, based on the number of stats, you want to get a three or above. That's a success, but sometimes things are contested and a six is really great. One is kind of bad. That's it. Um, and then you can re-roll depending on your ability rating. So that's it. 
that's it. That's the uh, the game. So I guess it's definitely more narrative on the narrative side, as opposed to I think DCC um, kind of being more codified since it's based on the 3.0 engine. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, Carl, that sounds like a weird little game. I don't know. I still, I just wonder how they're going to do the magic system in the DCC one or in this Pelgrane Press one. Uh, the magic system for Dying Earth in the literature, at least what I've read so far, is insane. And I just, <laughs> like, without that, what do you got? You just got a dystopic fantasy setting. So hopefully, I mean, DCC has that wacky magic, but you don't really read. A, again, I haven't read much. I haven't read much. In what I read, there is no examples of like the spell going wrong or anything. So, yeah, and there's no example of like starting wizards. Everyone you meet is already a superhero, crazy powerful wizard. I don't know, man. DCC. The more I hear about it, the more it sounds like an intriguing system to me. I love the fact that it's based on 3E, 3.5. Yeah, I don't know. I might have to look at it. I know it's a monster of a tome, and that's not what I need in my life right now is a big old new game. (sighs) Like, I got my big old crunchy game, right? Do I need another one? Maybe. I don't know. I might. (laughs) So anyway, Carl, keep us posted on the Dying Earth uh, RPG that's coming out. Yeah. All right, everybody. Let me uh, let me get out of here. Let's close this sucker out. Well, what did we learn today? We learned that you can't really separate the author from their work. You just have to learn to learn from their mistakes and their misdeeds. We learned that Dune gets attacked by both sides of the political spectrum because neither side that does such a thing actually understands what Dune is about. We learned that uh, Pelgrane Press has a dying earth role-playing game. Yeah. And we learned about some cool fairy literature. So thank you to all my callers, to Carl Rodriguez, the GM extraordinaire, BJ, the arcane alienist, Jason Connerly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast, and an extra special thank you to my first time caller, Joe Salvador. Man, you're awesome, dude. Thank you for listening. That just, that just pumped me up so hard. Yeah, this was a fun episode to put together. I was really, really stoked to have watched The Mummy. And I just cannot stress enough how crappy Frank Whipple is. What just a nothing idiot he is. And the fact that he gets to end up with Helen just really grinds my gears. There is no chemistry between those two. Not at all. There was, on the other hand, chemistry between... Helen and Boris, for sure there was. In my mind, those two hit it off, offset. In a perfect world, that would be perfect. (laughs) Anyway, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for calling in. 
Thank you for being yourselves and being awesome. I hope everyone has a great Halloween. If you're listening to this before Halloween, uh, I hope you all had an awesome Halloween. If you're listening to this after Halloween and until next time, folks, be kind to each other, hug somebody you love and peace out.